Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We've got a great guest all the way from Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome to the show, Boris Morkovich. Thanks for having me, Victor. Well, Boris, great to have you here. We're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to a lot of people's heart. Specifically, the topic is hospitality, because I know you're deeply invested in that. But before we do, why don't we give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Absolutely. So my background is actually in entrepreneurship. In fact, right now is my full-time project. I own and run an electric bike company and that I've been doing for about the last 10 years. And about four or five years ago, my wife and I, we began to acquire properties. And from the very first day, we were always interested in short-term rentals. Because for us, it represented a way to increase cash flow and really get to our goals, financial and personal, a lot faster. So over time, right now we have about 44 listings in several different cities. We host about 10,000 guests a year, and we manage all of our properties remotely and in addition to our other full-time commitments. Short-term rentals are a slice of the hospitality business. Obviously, hospitality has been decimated in the past year with the pandemic. And yet, on the flip side, some short-term rentals have done terrible and others have done extraordinarily well. What's been your experience? It's been fascinating, actually. So in March uh, of 2020, when everything began, our rentals, which are predominantly urban-based, have slid. Our revenue dropped a bit, our occupancy dropped. But interestingly enough, we were able to recover and complete 2020 with about 90 to 95% occupancy rate in all of our properties. Now, to be fair, the revenue, the average daily rates that we charge dropped a fair amount because our clientele changed, just like it did for a lot of other short-term rental operators. But nevertheless, the demand remained. And if you were flexible and were able to adjust, you, you did fine. And on the flip side to which you alluded to, some of the hosts did actually incredibly well. So as an example, properties that we have that are more in the rural area, uh, in the mountains, kind of a getaway drive to properties, they have blew through all of their records. Yeah, we've seen the same thing in our portfolio as well. We've seen a lower nightly rate, but we've seen extremely high occupancy. And the other thing that we've noticed is that there are different levels of players in the short-term rental business. There are the amateurs, and then there are the pros. And what I find is that the vacancy goes to the junk in the market. When there's a plenty of supply, it's the reviews that potential guests look at and they pick the best properties, all other things being equal. What's been your experience? Absolutely. So it, it, it's really interesting. In a good market, it's pretty easy for everybody to do well because oftentimes the demand outstrips the supplies. What you mentioned is, is, is very true. It, what separates a good host or a professional host versus somebody that just does it on the side is their ability to perform well in, in a slower market. Now, in our experience, we find that almost for any property, for any night, there is a customer or a guest that will be willing to book it if the price is right and certain conditions are right. So we actually rely a lot on technology and 
constant monitoring and adjustments to make sure that we almost never have a room go vacant. You're using dynamic pricing very much like has been the norm in the airline industry, looking at vacancy that's further out in time and pricing that accordingly and pricing vacancy that is closer in in time at a different price and so on based on the dynamics of the market conditions overall, correct? Yes. So fundamentally, there are three things that we always do with our properties. The very first one is for the larger properties, for the apartments, houses, things of that sort, for bookings that are far out, we usually begin by having a longer minimum length of stay. Because fundamentally, it's very easy with almost any property to rent out the weekends. There's always a lot of demand for that. But what separates whether or not a property is going to be profitable or not is your ability to get the weekdays rented out. So from our perspective, if we're looking at a potential booking that's six months out, Oftentimes, we will have a five-night minimum or a four-night minimum to capture the individuals or the groups that are looking for that longer stay. Now, as we get closer and closer to the date, we begin to lower the minimum length of stay to four nights, three nights, and eventually two nights if nobody booked. So that's one. The second thing that we do is in a lot of our properties, because we're based in cities, we do a mix of both full house rentals and by the bedroom rentals. That has actually been a very interesting and effective strategy because the logic there has always been that groups tend to get together on the weekends and travel on the weekends. And there's a lot of demand that we can capture there. But on the weekdays, it's less common to see larger groups traveling together. So we're able to still maintain the occupancy by renting out individual bedrooms at a property and capture those dates. So this is what allows us to, again, maintain easily 90% occupancy in pretty much most of our markets. And the third thing is we do use tools just like the airline industry uses or the hotel industry uses to monitor what the market is charging and constantly make adjustments for every day of the year to meet our targets. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, of course, this past year during the pandemic, many of the booking sites like VRBO and Airbnb have put fairly strict protocols in place around cleaning and and all of that. How has that impacted your operations? We've had to do a fair amount of retraining. And first and foremost, we had to think about how to protect our own housekeepers. So we train and work with our own cleaning crews in all of the markets. So, of course, uh, as per the Airbnb new requirements, we've rethought our entire cleaning process to address a lot of the new requirements that were put in place. We've also had to think about how to supply our housekeepers with the proper PPE and ensure that they're safe and protected. At this particular point, when we do private bedroom rentals, we usually have a housekeeper on the property every single day cleaning and disinfecting the common areas to ensure that everybody's safe and comfortable. Very interesting. Of the portfolio that you're currently managing, how much of that is your own personal portfolio versus third-party management of other people's properties? 
We don't actually manage other people's properties. All of the properties that we have are owned either by ourselves or co-owned with investors and equal partners. That's often a question that I get from other investors who are worried about a potential conflict of interest between third-party managed properties versus properties that are operator-owned, and that maybe there's not necessarily a level playing field. But of course, that has not been my experience, that it really, at the end of the day, it's the guests that choose the property, not the other way around. It's an interesting question, and this is something that comes up frequently with clients that we consult with. Generally speaking, we're not big fans of third-party management companies. The reason for that is that if you approach short-term rentals as an investment and allocate a significant amount of your capital to it and you look to maximize your cash flow, you would typically be much better off figuring out how to set up proper systems to automate and be able to manage your properties yourself. Now, if you are thinking about getting a second house that you can use sometimes yourself, and sometimes you will rent it out to help offset the costs, and you don't really care too much about what your bottom line profitability is, then the third-party management companies are, are perfect for that. They will take away all the hassles and all the headaches. Very interesting. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're making investment in real estate, whether it's this business or any other business, there's no such thing as a passive business. These are all still active investments. Of course, you can invest passively in an active business, but it's still a very much an active service business. So the staff, all of the key roles need to be staffed by real warm bodies that are there to pick up at a moment's notice and get things done that need to be done in a timely manner. Absolutely. So the way that our team, for example, is set up is we have three individuals. So we have a weekday team member, we have a weekend team member, and then the after hours. And all of them, every day, they coordinate the work with the housekeeping team on the ground. They coordinate all of the repairs. They handle issues and problems that come up. There's a lot, and there's a certain amount of stress and work that comes with it. For us, it made sense to build out that team and train them and effectively treat as a full business once we got to a certain scale of properties. Initially, the first couple of properties that we got, we were able to manage them pretty easily ourselves just with the help of a couple of tools that automate guest communication, pricing, and things of that sort. But at a certain point, you have to hire out. So at what point would you say that you hit that critical mass? Where was the tipping point where you said, okay, now it makes sense to hire the business almost become self-sustaining as opposed to something that you're trying to bootstrap? I would say that after you go past five doors, at this point, it becomes worth it to bring in outside help. You don't necessarily have to hire you know, a full team on day one, even for us, it began with hiring a single individual that would basically handle the day-to-day tasks during the business hours and provide some on-call after-hour support. And then as the number of properties grew, we basically began to expand the team further. One of the biggest fear questions that I hear 
is what about managing properties that are remote where you simply cannot go drive down the street and perform quality assurance yourself? How do you set up those systems to do quality assurance? Because that's a vital business function. It's required in any business, including this one. How do you do that? It's a good question. And one of the stories that I like to talk about is I remember that after we've set up our second property, my wife and I, we headed out on a six-month honeymoon where we drove down from the East Coast to Argentina. And we were basically managing these properties and all of the guests and everything from a phone and a laptop in Central and South America. That was in many ways a phenomenal experience, not just because it was our honeymoon, but also because it forced us to think about how do we handle every single situation when we know we cannot drive down or even fly down there. So in our experience, and especially in this day and age, there is almost nothing that you cannot do with photos and videos and a cell phone. So right now, all of our properties pretty much are out of state. And in every location, we typically do have a ground team. So a housekeeper or housekeepers, a handyman or maintenance crew that help us keep things operational. But even when we need to hire somebody new, we're usually able to do it completely remotely and just coordinate and train them through photos, videos, and phone calls. I love it. Well, Boris, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? The best way to reach out is to check out our site at buildyourbnb.com. I write quite a bit about our own journey there and some of the best practices that we that we have found. And you can email us directly through the website as well. Fantastic. Well, I love the perspective. Best of luck as we emerge from the pandemic with your portfolio. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Boris at buildyourbnb.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.